Hello everyone, welcome to Green.io, the podcast for responsible technologists building a greener digital world one byte at a time. On Green.io, we explore how to reduce the environmental impact of our digital world. Our guests from across the globe share insights, tools and alternative approaches enabling people within the tech sector and beyond to boost digital sustainability. More than 300 millions of digital users, home of dozens of unicorns, with vibrant tech scenes scattered across the region. 2.2 million working in the technology, internet, and communication sector, according to LinkedIn. No, I'm not talking about Europe, but Latin America. Latin America, which is a significant player in our digital world and, as such, a significant contributor to its environmental impacts. Just following a non-rigorous approach based on the number of its users, but hey, remember that the majority of the environmental impacts come from both manufacturing and user devices and the electricity consumption of these devices. So, resuming on my on-the-go analysis, with 5.5% of world users, Latin America carbon footprint for its digital activities would be around 77 million tons of CO2 in 2019 which is more than any country in Central America, but Mexico, obviously. And it is more than Uruguay has emitted, for instance. So I guess now that you understood that today's episode is about Latin America, and more specifically, how someone working in the digital sector and based in Latin America can contribute to decarbonizing the internet. To help us finding the answers, I'm pleased to welcome two guests today. Catalina Zapata, who's based in Medellin, Colombia. Catalina is a seasoned web designer who started a project called La Web Verde, but my pronunciation is terrible because it's in Spanish, in order to democratize sustainability on the web, teach designers and developers how to create more sustainable digital projects, and spread green awareness about our digital footprint within the WordPress community more specifically. I spotted Catalina in this vibrant WordPress sustainability group last year, and when I reached her out, she told me that she was already a regular listener of the podcast. And when I asked her why she was so much into sustainability, she had a very straightforward answer, because we breathe the same air and we are all on the same planet. And that was pretty straightforward. Well... Later, she actually told me that three years ago, she read this article about internet being the fourth most polluting country in the world, and that was kind of a haha moment. But actually, I think I even love better her first answer. Ismael Velasco is based in Mexico, and I met him via the amazing cat community. Ismail is a veteran in the software industry at large and green software in particular. His uh, API grateful degradation concept immediately appealed to me, but I discovered someone whose knowledge and commitment goes far beyond green IT with its involvement in the Adora Foundation, which uh, fosters social innovation across the globe and recently decided to focus more on the sustainability side of technology. So, Welcome, Catalina. Welcome, Ismail. Thanks a lot for joining Green.io today. It's great to be here. Great to be with you. Thank you, Gael, for 
for connecting, for inviting and creating this space that is not only innovate, but also is very, very, very necessary for those who design the web and consume the internet. Wow, thanks a lot, both of you. I would love to start, actually, with a very straightforward question. Is the title of this episode all wrong? I mean, is Latin America a pertinent scope to apprehend tech and sustainability? Ismael, do you have an opinion on it? I think, uh, personally, that yes, it is a meaningful category. I think the uh, distribution of of technology and role and contribution of technology does diverge regionally. So each country, each area will have uh, different profiles. But I think the main realities facing Latin America in relation to technology do have a lot of parallels. I think culturally, there is probably even more commonality across Latin America than there is across Europe. In many areas, the tensions that we experience are often also mirrored across countries. So I think it's definitely a, a meaningful category, which is not to say a homogenous one. I think you will find a sort of enormous diversity country to country, but I don't think that negates the fact that addressing the reality of technology at a Latin American level uh, makes sense on very many levels. So yes. Catalina, do you have an opinion on it? I think that in Europe, digital sustainability has become a priority for both government and business. But there are strict regulations on the energy efficiency or data centers, uh, the recycling or electronic device, and the reduction of carbon emission in the technology sector. In the United States has not reached European standard, but there is a growing awareness of carbon footprint reduction. But in Latin America, we have great challenge in accessing resource and knowledge, and digital sustainability is not a central issue in the region. And access to information in Spanish is limited. It is necessary to translate and adapt this resource into Spanish and other native language of the continent to make the information more accessible and usable. However, I believe we have great potential, but more awareness and education is needed from all of us who create the web and consume the internet. Well, that's very interesting feedback, Catalina, and there are a lot of different things to unpack here. So we will go back to them point by point, I would say, but I'd like to bounce back on what you've just said about the level of awareness across the globe. What is, according to you, the level of awareness about digital sustainability in Latin America? For me, it's very, very, very low. Digital sustainability is a strange concept in Colombia and Latin America. Everyone talks about climate change, net zero, circular economy, sustainable developed goals, uh, sustainable fashion, human rights, green mobility, recycling, inclusion. Uh, female empowerment, artificial intelligence, ecotourism. But no one talks about green software, green web, or the impact of the internet and each of our digital action on carbon emission. And then I ask myself, why? To give you an example of how ignorant we are, 
I am an ambassador for the Climate Reality Project. It's a nonprofit organization and one of the largest community of climate leaders of the world create to promote solutions to the climate change. This organization has a virtual platform where everyone can connect with other leaders. Uh, there are materials, videos, forums, events, resources, surveys, discussions, seminars, uh, virtual meetings, jobs opportunities. And for the last three years, I have not found a single conversation about digital sustainability or sustainable web design or digital, digital sobriety. The server where their website and digital community is hosted is a, a green server. That makes a lot of inconsistency between what is said and what is done in the uh, companies or organization or uh, change makers in Latin America. That's not the first time I hear someone saying that digital sustainability per se, not sustainability at large, because a lot of stuff are obviously going on in Latin America, but digital sustainability is not a hot topic. Ismael, is it something that you agree, uh, especially in regards of the situation in Mexico? Yes, I think uh, I recognize that situation. And I think it's probably the case for almost all of Latin America, with the exception of the academic sector in Brazil. But uh, in, in Brazil, you do have quite a lot of academia that has been publishing for years. They've been, I think, some of the earliest, earliest thinkers around uh, sort of green computing and digital sustainability, but they are the exception. And I don't think even in Brazil it has expanded outside of academia into industry in any meaningful way. In Mexico, a bit like we heard for Colombia, I've organized a number of events uh, here on greening your software. I've given a few talks, etc. I'm in touch with a lot of uh, developer communities here uh, in the thousands. And I think every single time, without exception, uh, when I brought up the theme, it has been the first time anyone remembers ever having come across uh, a talk or an event dedicated to the subject. But like Catalina mentioned, there isn't really accessible resources in Spanish. There aren't bodies that are pushing for it. There isn't a, a regulatory or a policy agenda for it. And the, the people who have thought about it have tended to thought about it, to think about it in, in isolation. Uh, we've been trying to start building communities through uh, a sets of events around Green Your Software. We we launched one in Mexico. We're hoping with Catalina to do something like that in in Colombia too and outside uh, of of Latin America too. But generally speaking, I would say that uh, like Catalina, the my experience is that the the topic is highly resonant. The moment that people hear about it, developers in particular, they go, "Aha, that makes sense. I want to do something about it." but it's almost always the very first time they've thought about it. The level of, of awareness is extremely, extremely low with the possible exception of, of uh, Bitcoin, which has got such a globally bad reputation environmentally that uh, that, that has permeated the, the popular consciousness and people might go, oh yeah, Bitcoin might be bad for the environment. But outside of that, I don't think it's a, it's a discussion that is happening in general. 
So how come we are facing uh, uh, so many issues? I mean, Catalina, you mentioned that um, a lack of documentation in Spanish was one of the issues, but is there any other hurdle that uh, the designer, because you're more, you're more on the designer side, faces to start greening the web? I agree for the Ismael said that the principal problem is the awareness. Yes, many companies and professionals in Latin, Amer Latin America are still aware of the environmental impacts of their online activities. The lack of education and awareness about digital sustainability is a key challenge for those of us who create and consume internet content. Another is very, very important point is the resistance to change. Some companies and professionals may resist to change, especially if they believe that adopting sustainable practice could increase their costs or require additional efforts. And another point is uh, green hosting challenges. At times, selecting eco-friendly hosting providers with renewable energy source can be a challenge as there may be a lack of available option in certain areas and costs can be probably high. Ismael, is this something that you've noticed as well? Or do you have another angle as a, as a developer? Both. Uh, I definitely agree with absolutely everything that Catalina has said. But I also think that there is a structural issue that is driving a lot of this. And it's the nature of the ICT market in Latin America. And I think there are uh, sort of four layers to it. You have the base layer of a very small website and simple apps for a domestic market mostly um, that are not necessarily high skill, skill and they're also not high price. So that means that developers generally do not have much say in terms of what or how they build. They are freelancing. There's a huge gig economy around ICT. So that first layer of the gig economy means that even if you cared about green software and even if you were a bit informed about green software, uh, the opportunities to present it, to incorporate it, to discuss it are smaller. Then you have the next layer, which is uh, where you have developers who are building more sophisticated software application and uh, are doing so again on a sort of uh, primarily competing on, on price. And they tend to be software agencies. And this is another scenario where they are given not a lot of resources, not a lot of time to come up with an app quite quickly and uh, not necessarily at a high level of, of training or quality, the, the importance is to churn and there's a lot of precarity, that the, the jobs are precarious. So the, the kind of long-term thinking around green quality, around impact, around all kinds of things that uh, companies might do if they're building a single pro product over three or four or five years 
is much harder to do if you've got a three-month contract or a five-month contract. And then you have the next layer, which is where um, there is, in different parts of Latin America, a much more highly skilled uh, digital labor force, and people are offshoring to, uh, to Latin America, and often for longer-term projects. So people will have, you know, products that they're building in major companies, and they will have entire teams based in Mexico or in Colombia uh, or in, in other parts of Latin America. And there you will have the level of expertise required to build perhaps green apps, but the, the commissioning process, the people making the actual decisions on uh, architecture, on design, on hiring, are in the United States, are in Canada, are in Europe, and they don't particularly care about the, about the environment. They're after achieving high quality for lower price. And then the final layer you have are the unicorns. You have some uh, Latin American tech companies that have begun to emerge uh, in Mexico. I can't remember the number. There might be five or 10 uh, unicorns. So these are people getting billions uh, from venture capitalists, et cetera. And they are no more green than any of the big companies in the global north. So whereas I think there is a big gap between awareness in Latin America and awareness in North America and Europe, I don't think the gap in practice is equally large because in Europe and in North America, people really know are much more aware of the environmental implications of software, but I don't think they are particularly more committed or active and are building greener software. So the same people who are building the most polluting software on a global scale across Europe and North America are the people who are hiring the devs in Latin America to build that software. So there's a whole bunch of structural factors that even if you have the desire to build green would create significant barriers and more significant barriers because you have less power as a sort of external freelancing or contracting dev than if you are a staff engineer in Google, for example, to say, actually, I want to do it green. So there are, even if you had the awareness and the resources, I think there are economics uh, and responsibility that lies outside of Latin America for some of the barriers that we have in implementing green applications. And Ismail, that's super insightful to go all the way up to the entire structure of the, the tech economy uh, in Latin America. So overall, this is not really good news that you shared because low level of general awareness, lack of uh, documentation in Spanish, lack of green hosting options, uh, an entire structural issues or not not a single one actually structural issues several about who gives order um a, a short-term profit incentivization in in i guess it was you ismail who mentioned also that there is a terrible lack of political pressure on, on these topics so pretty hard to try to code green or to design green uh in 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 Latin America. And still, here you are. 
in, 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 in like thousands of others. So I'd like to switch a bit the narrative here and to see the half full glass or even one third or one quarter full glass and say, okay, so I'm just a tech worker in Latin America. What can I leverage to help me building a greener internet? And how vibrant is the green IT ecosystem in Latin America? Because it's not maybe as vibrant as other part of the world, but I know for sure that there are people working uh, on these topics. What are the resources of, uh, available? We, we say that there are not that many, but I guess we still have some resources. So what network should I connect to? So maybe Catalina, or you, you would like to give advices to someone starting in the design or the sustainable design business, what would you say to this person? There are some resources available, such as blogs, discussion groups, and online communities. The offer in Spanish is almost uh, near, and Portuguese is limited compared for the language such in English or German. But I think that digital sustainability today in Latin America is an issue only for large private companies worldwide, such as Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, or other large companies in the country or in the region, for example, the Globant, Nubank, Rappi, Natura, Mercado Libre. But not is a subject now by small entrepreneurs or micro entrepreneurs or designers or developers. We have to start talking about digital sovereignty and the impact of the digital action of an ordinary citizen can contribute. Not only how the companies we consume can uh, neutralize carbon emission, but also how we, the user, can support and contribute. And Ismail, from a developer's perspective, what would be the resources and the approaches that you would advocate? I'd like to mention three things, and not just as a developer, but also entrepreneurs. And it's that I think we need to make and understand the way in which green software is not a barrier or a hurdle to get over, but it's also a commercial opportunity. So, for example, across Latin America, there is... In Mexico, I think there's something like 71 million regular internet users, but there's a huge percentage of people who have very low intermittent access to the internet. In other parts of Latin America, the number of people with poor connectivity is even greater. If you're able to design an app that is green, you are likely to design an app that works well under low connectivity that uses less data, so it is cheaper to run. You are likely to design an app that is flexible depending on availability, which means that you've got a gigantic addressable market that does not exist in the global north. So the first thing I would say is that entrepreneurs, companies, inventors in Latin America should think about that large addressable market that could be reached if you build software with green patterns. 
And the nice thing about green software is that it, you end up building an app that works both for the person in that village that, is, that has poor connectivity and for the businessman in the city and for the, the woman president in that country. And they can all use the same app because you developed it green. The second thing that I would mention is that regulation is coming. It's already started. Europe as ever is ahead. France is ahead of Europe. The US is beginning to catch up. And this means that a lot of the nearshoring jobs that will come to us in Latin America, a lot of the companies in the US and in the EU who will hire Latin American devs will in the next three to five years have to demonstrate that they are reducing emissions in the apps they build. So that means that if you're a developer or a student right now and you master the art of green software, you're going to be at the cutting edge of labor demand when there is a huge skills gap. And when people are coming to Mexico or to Colombia and saying, we want to hire devs, but in order to comply with regulation needs to be built green, if you've started learning now, you're going to be in a uniquely competitive space. And the last thing that I want to mention is community. Community really matters. Go check the software community that Catalina mentioned. Climateaction.tech has a, a bit of Latin American bit growing. But I also wanted to say to any listeners, the Adora Foundation is going to launch a project to bring green computing knowledge onto Wikipedia in Spanish. And there are grants for this. So if anybody wants to partner with us in creating what they call Wikathons, I think, but basically a partner with us in creating new and translating existing green compute content into Wikipedia, please reach out to me on LinkedIn and we will add you into the partnership and together we can create a massive explosion of access to knowledge in the most democratic platform available in Spanish and eventually in Portuguese and other languages too, but we'll be, we'll be starting in Spanish. And just to bounce back on what you've said, uh, Ismail, actually there, there is another tool which is now available in Spanish, is uh, the digital collage, uh, La Mural del Digital. El Mural Digital. Yeah. Ismail, you mentioned communities, and I know that Catalina, in previous discussions, you mentioned the importance of the open source community as one of the solutions for, because we're still trying to answer this question, where can I start when I am a developer or a designer or a, a, an entrepreneur in the tech sector in Latin America? So. Do you want to elaborate on the importance of the open source community? Yeah, the, the open community in Latin America is very big and robust and very active. And the focus is in the collaboration and open access and quality software. Uh, maybe the privacy and data security is a central uh, topic. But it's important that I mentioned that Medellin, my city, yes, because Medellin won the 
recognition of the most innovative city in the world in 2018 and the most intelligent city in the country in 2022 and is known as the or is calling for the soft, the software valley uh, here uh, with dozen of scholarship to bring down people closer to technology and with a rich human talent in all digital issues and the place that has the most technology communities uh, of the country or maybe of the region. But the question is never hear about sustainable web design, green software or digital sovereignty. Uh, they only focus on programming language, databases, databases, uh, artificial intelligence, security, marketing frameworks, libraries, apps, etc. And my question is why the digital technologies are responsible for the 4% of all greenhouse gas emissions of the planet, that the cloud has a larger carbon footprint than the aviation industry that 10 hours of high quality video contains more data than all the Wikipedia articles in text format, uh, that the web and the data centers that power our digital lives consume more energy and water than we can imagine. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's controversial because it's a city that have many uh, technology communities but never speak about this topic, this STEM, this sustainable uh, digital. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's a question for me every time, every day. I think that's a really great point, Catalina, a really important one. I have also found uh, that uh, I know many Mexican developers who are in the very top rank of open source contributors to their projects, people who have contributed to the Linux kernel or people who are at the heart of uh, WordPress or at the heart of all kinds of big uh, open source projects with really serious international contributions and recognition. And I think uh, that would be a fantastic population to target and if they are listening <laughs> to this podcast and I hope they are I will certainly be promoting it I think if you've got a voice in your area of of open source if you are a serious contributor as a Latin American to an open source project consider that you may be the person who can green that technology you may be in a really good place to actually impact on a technology that impacts millions because you know what you're doing and you've got reputation and credentials. So to all the Latin American open source contributors out there, and especially those of you who are really serious about it, consider asking yourself the technical question, if I wanted to green this open source project, what would I do, and rally people around it. Uh, you will find all of us around the world supporting your efforts. Thank you, Ismail. That's very inspiring and actually quite true as well, because 
the momentum we've got today in digital sustainability in Europe, just to speak about what i have uh, experiencing, has been built a lot on the open source community and with people just doing, as you said, starting to pay attention, usually coming from privacy movements, the question of truly open source and uh, the intellectual property issues around digital rights, et cetera, et cetera, and suddenly switching to, oh, but actually there is a missing part in my, my puzzle, which is sustainability. And connecting to the question of having different angles, there is one last question I wanted to ask to both of you. Going a bit beyond this green angle that we had, how much can we or shouldn't we disconnect the environment from other issues like ethics or social justice in Latin America? Because we were discussing before the interview that some, especially some countries in Latin America, are rift with inequalities. And that might be hard, actually, to dissociate both. Or actually, we should dissociate both because otherwise, no topics get any traction if we try to connect too much things. So what are your opinion on it? Okay, I believe that we cannot disconnect and separate these issues because everything in the planet is systemic. The environment, ethics, and social justice are interconnected in systems that depend on each other and together they form a complete vision of a better and fairer world for all. The social justice means that everyone must have equal access to resources and opportunities and that basic human rights must be protected. And the ethics is about doing the right thing and treat our natural environmental and other forms of life with respect. We must act act responsibly to prepare to preserve the herd uh, not just for ourselves but for the future one as well. Our ethics is how we treat the herd and others live forms have a direct impact on social justice for generation. But I think that is it's impossible to disconnect and separate these issues. Thank you Catalina for your point about ethics. And actually you're not going to green software if you do not have values that drive you toward it, right? It is a values-based choice. So you cannot dissociate values from that decision. I would question, however, the framing, Gael, that you introduced, because you pointed out to the inequalities within Latin America. And I think the inequalities within Latin America are a huge, huge dimension of this. Uh, if you do not have access to water, let alone to internet, let alone uh, to full literacy, then clearly your ability to contribute to, I guess you are contributing to a greener digital footprint by not using it, but you will be limited in, 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 those, in those abilities and those skills. If your access to information is limited, then even if you are educated and keen, it's going to be hard for you to acquire it. However, the real constraint 
on greening the digital world in Latin America from mining through supply chain, through software building, is not the inequalities within Latin America, it's the inequalities between Latin America and the rest of the world. It is the dynamics of uh, the way Europe, and in particular the United States, and uh, Canada and China and the richer countries interact and consume Latin American resources and products that are the biggest uh, determinant of the kind of applications that get built. So the challenge of justice here is not primarily, I think, it, it definitely is crucial to have uh, justice within Latin America. But one of the reasons why you don't have regulation that works, it's because of pressure from companies that are not based in Latin America. So I would say the social justice issues are the sine qua non, the basis of achieving digital sustainability in Latin America, but that involves the inequalities between uh, the people who commission most of the digital products in Latin America, which are which is the global north, and the people who produce them in the global south. That is the inequality that I think uh, is the key barrier. If you can make all of the companies that commission software or mining or supplies or uh, sell e-waste to Latin America from abroad, demand green standards, you will see that uh, digital sustainability accelerates dramatically. And without that, all the goodwill, all the conviction, all the dedication of people like ourselves in Latin America will not achieve a systemic impact. So yes to the inequalities, but I would say it's the global ones that count more than the regional ones at this stage. Yeah, I totally agree with with the all answer for the Ismael. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Ismael. Fair point. It's um, it's definitely also an issue about inequalities across the world and not just within a country or a continent. Now, being mindful of time, do you want to add just one more recommendation to learn more on digital sustainability? if you're based in Latin America. I will recommend the talks by Elena Morettini, who is the Global Head Sustainable Business at Globan, and share a lot of values, content uh, about transition and energy efficiency and green IT for business. And what would be your pick, Ismail? Well, I am conflicted because I'm going to recommend something that I want to discourage at the same time. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say why I don't want you to use it. Uh, I don't want you to use ChatGPT and BARD and LLMs because they are environmentally 10 times worse than most other alternatives. However, what I will say is if the main barrier right now is information, if you are in Latin America and 
you know, if you're listening to this, you probably have enough fluency that that's not your barrier. But you will have so many colleagues for whom this might be a barrier. And what I would advise is search and Google all the resources, all the names that Catalina mentioned, uh, and they are connected. So the moment you find one, if you find Jerry McGovern, if you find uh, Holgrim Digital, if you find the people that this very podcast, if you find who has Gael interviewed and look them up, basically go find all the resources you can in English and translate them. If you can use Google Translate first, it'll be cheaper environmentally. But if it's not, to be honest, that is a trade-off that I am happy to do. If using ChatGPT or BARD will equip you to green the next 300 apps that you build the rest of your life, go and use it. Excellent. <laughs> I I didn't expect such an answer, but that's that's a very nice one. That's that's a beautifully played card. I'm I'm not gonna choose. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna list all those great resources, but the tool is a translation, and I, I fully agree with you. It's mail. Sometimes you use a terrible tool in in the right way, and that works. Uh, yeah, that 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 works investment. <laughs> but that that was great, and. So, because we are on a, on a positive mood, uh, yeah, Ismail, if you had to share one piece of good news, uh, which made you optimistic uh, recently about our past toward a more sustainable world, uh, what would it be? I need to say that these good news are there if you look for them. Is that around COP26, there were this series of uh, reports that came out, or actually COP27, that were dire, they were terrible, and they really were. The situation is absolutely horrific. We're moving too slow. But buried in all of those reports were extraordinary achievements that no one really reported. So I was in Paris for COP21, and I remember the start of that COP21 the level of ambition was on the floor. None of us believed this was going to lead anywhere. Not the governments, not the activists, not the NGOs, not the academics, nobody. And then civil society moved. The largest uh, demonstrations in the history of the planet and uh, the use of technology, groups like Avas creating mobilizations. And in real time, I saw governments changed their positions. And then when people weren't going to embrace certain targets, city mayors embraced those targets. Terrible multinationals embraced targets and the mood changed. Now, at that point, the status quo, the business as usual scenario was leading us into the worst apocalypse. The latest reports that came out are saying that we are on track for catastrophe, but we have moved away from apocalypse. No one has tracked the fact that at the most dysfunctional time in global decision-making, humanity has managed to shift track. For the first time in the whole of our records, by 2030, the IEA expects emissions to no longer grow but to flatline. 
None of this is enough to spare us from catastrophe. But it shows that as a global community, we have the power to truly change scenarios. So we need to understand that power, not become complacent in it and go, it's all okay, but also not to forget that hope exists empirically. Thanks a lot, Ismail. I may just comment on COP21 that, yes, civil society played a big role, but hey, this is the episode on Latin America, so I guess we also have to give a bit kudos to one of my long-time hero now, which is Christiana Figueres, obviously, because she hadn't she hadn't been there leading the UN climate delegation and with uh, amazing uh, ambassador skills and, and pff, everything else that she built around her and the team she brought, etc. I don't believe anything would have been achieved without downplaying the massive role of um, the civil society. I'm not trying to give a percentage here, but just uh, acknowledging that, yeah, I think without her, we will be in really dire straits at the moment. What about you, Catalina? Is there one piece of good news that you'd like to share? In, in this point, I need to talk about the WordPress. This is on my, my community, right? And some excellent recent news is that the global WordPress community has form a sustainability group with 264 members in actually uh, showing a growing interest in the topic. Although only are from Latin America, like Ismael and me, <laughs> but this is an important step for the other person or the other humans are the Spain or and others other countries for Europe. But uh, it's also encouraged to see that several developers are reducing the size of their plugins to make them more efficient and environmentally friendly. Awareness about the importance of greening service, servers is increasing, where every small contribution like removing a single kilobyte or millions of websites can significantly reduce carbon emission. Also, it's inspiring to see more people engage in creating a more sustainable web. That is a good news and good for the, the global community for WordPress because it's, it's a good step. Thanks a lot, both of you for sharing this positive news at the end and for the amazing work that you're putting in Latin America and way beyond to a green internet, to make people aware of the environmental footprint of our digital world uh, and for being there and trying to connect with me based on a very different time zone and accommodating uh, all those differences. So... Thanks a lot. It was great having both of you. I hope this episode will be very useful for people based in this beautiful region of the world. And as usual, I will put all the references in the show notes. Thanks a lot for being there, both of you. Thank you. Great opportunity and uh, great to chat with both of you, Catalina and Gael. Uh, really great opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Gael. Thank you, Ismael. 
really, really, I'm very, very happy to share. Thank you for listening to this Greenio episode. In episode 27, we will talk about all the tools provided by the Green Software Foundation to decarbonize software. There are quite a few, and Asim Hussein, the Green Software Executive Director himself, will give us a guided tour. And he might also share some exclusive announcements before the big Decarb Software 2023 conference. So stay tuned. Before you leave, a small message from our sponsor. No, I'm still kidding. Green.io is a free and independent podcast, and so we need your help to keep it that way. You can help us by supporting us on TP. The link is in the episode notes. But if you cannot donate, that's fine. You can support us by spreading the word. And I know I've asked you several times already, and I'm bothering you with this, but please do rate the podcast five stars on Apple or Spotify. And if you've already done it, ask a friend to do it too. This is the only way that we will get new listeners via the search in these platforms. So thanks a lot for rating the podcast. That's super cool of you. And hopefully we will get more listeners and more responsible technologists joining the show. You know, each vote is truly worth a thousand likes on YouTube, believe me, when you compare very successful YouTubers and very successful podcasters. Now, if you don't have Spotify, or Apple Podcast, that's perfectly fine. Share an episode on social media or directly with a relative, and it will be way more effective than many ads. So thanks a lot for that. Seriously, thanks for your support. It means a lot to us. Us being me, but also Tani Levitt, our amazing podcast producer, and Gilles Tellier, our amazing podcast curators. We are delighted to help you, the responsible technologists scattered all over the world, build a greener digital world. One bite at a time.